0: We come to—I uh, guess we have six more weeks left. Is that right? Counting How tonight.
1: No, it's not six. No, so it's
0: less than six. Is it less than six? Oh, I it's four. I you said six weeks, two weeks. Oh. unless you—I'm frozen in time. <laughs> frozen in time. <laughs> <laughs> we have unless we have a, a new dispensation. Well, we have time is an, <laughs> extra, <laughs> an extra week in, in May. No, we will try to finish it in, in the right time. So here we go. Um, we do, we were, uh, Dan did an excellent job of talking about um, the, you know, how you deal with the different spiritual enemies. And, you know, I've said before that um, if there is any panacea there is in life, it is the Christian life. And I say that, and I don't know that you can say that unless someone really has some insight to understand what you're saying. And I think that people don't always get that. You know, you will you find believers are looking for answers to real problems everywhere but Scripture. It just amazes me. It just, just amazes me, and um, and yet you have this truth from God's Word right underneath your nose for most believers, and they're so busy looking for for to the unsafe man no less for answers about life. What do they know? Can you tell me what they know? <laughs> they don't know the. Do you know I read an article and it's true most of your psychologists do you know that they have a psychologist Do you realize that We had a girl that was majoring in psychology at FedEx back some years ago she got a master's degree in psychology they called her the seven faces of Eve <laughs> <laughs> And most people who were on the line realized she was more nuts than they were <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> it's just, It's just, it blows my mind. Can can you let me just really be frank with you here? It blows my mind that we have the truth of God's word and people choose substitutes. It blows my mind. I I, I can't wrap my mind around it. I just can't wrap my mind around it. And uh, granted, my mind is not that big. So (laughs) maybe that's uh, the problem. Uh, But. Look, we have the word of God, and it is just so ripe with everything we need to be functional in this life. And Dan tells you here about how you can overcome your spiritual enemies. And it's just so ripe and so true, the process that he told you. How many people are suffering from mental issues today because of that scenario there? not knowing how to differentiate between the thoughts that are going through their mind and what enemy is causing those thoughts to happen and how to have victory over them. Very simple process, really. It's a very simple process. Uh, And so it's, it's interesting to me. But here you have this, and yet as the believer is able to grasp what God has said from his word, you and I have the capacity to grow. Do you know as you are able to overcome your spiritual enemies, particularly as you overcome the sin nature and allow the Holy Spirit to take control and you're able to operate within that renewed mind, the possibilities of you being able to be what God wants you to be are endless. And it's just, it's not that complicated. It's not But somehow we make it complicated. And so here as I'm spiritual, now I have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to take me into some areas and to uh, teach me, to be able to grow me, to take me through various experiences. And one of the things that you will encounter with that is that the Holy Spirit graciously would allow you to learn patience. How about that? Isn't that wonderful? What a gift patience is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very wonderful gift. And it really, it's, you know what I find it, patience is? It's like a girding um, that helps to keep you on track when you encounter some tough circumstances. I, When we go to the bowling alley with the kids sometimes, the grandkids, right? They put up the little uh, girders. The girders. <laughs> Oh, bumpers. Okay. I just keep messing up on these terms, right? I just found out last week that I said some term that didn't exist. What was that? Trickeration. 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 (laughs) Courtney made it a point of telling Darlene that was not a word. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, you get the point. (laughs) The bumpers. And they keep you on track, right? And I, this is how I see patience, that God brings around these circumstances and they teach you how to bear up under different circumstances as you go along. And you can just see that that's a wonderful thing that you see that as the believer grows and matures, that this is something that you become acquainted with. And you say, oh joy, <laughs> wouldn't that be wonderful? Yes, it is wonderful, really. And it and, it, and it, it's a... Um, it's a, a thing that God brings into the life of the believer that plays a significant role in the believer's further maturation. Because without it, and you can see believers are tossed to and fro, they're just all over the map. And they don't know how to learn, how, how to bear up under circumstances as they face them. I, I've read Fox's Book of Martyr before, and not, Martyrs before, and I, and I used to wonder, how could these believers endure this Horrific stuff that they're going through, right? How? How could some of these saints have endured? Uh, you have uh, Polycarp who's burned at the altar and he still is not backing down one iota from what he believes in. How do believers summon this ability to be able to deal with these very circumstances? You can see... We have some instances, as we see in Scripture, that God allows the believer to pick up patience. And I think it's a very significant uh, um, entity that the believer gains as he faces various circumstances that helps you and I to continue to, uh, in the maturation process. Now notice in James 1.4, you see, uh, and uh, Dan was here earlier, James 1.4, <coughs> and he talks about the issue of trials here in James 1.4. So here's a word for temptation. It's tra- translated temptation. It is uh, uh, um And so here's a, you're falling into a sphere of various kinds of trials. Now notice he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various diverse uh, temptations here. Well, you're not diving into it but you are actually, uh, whenever you might happen to fall into various trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience. And so here you have this, Uh, word for trying, and it's the word Dacamazo and it's used with patience on a couple of occasions. In the New Testament, you see it again, and we'll see over in Romans, the fifth chapter, and Dacamazo has this idea is that you are assaying something. Back in the old prospector days, when they went and they found something that they thought was gold, they would take it to the assayer, and they would put it to the test for the purpose of proving what it was. Right? (coughs) And so without trials or without this, this this trying process, you really could not prove what was genuine and what was not. It's interesting with a lot of believers today is that a lot of believers are facing a lot of things, and it's, um, again, I, I look at believers in America, I sometimes think, boy, what's ahead of us, because we have not really been tried like believers And some other parts of the world, we just haven't been tried. So that Courtney said, "This our problems are not third-world problems," (laughs) and it's true. And so we we think that something that's bad is not really that bad at all. And there's believers who are going through much worse than we could ever imagine. And so this putting to the test for the purpose of trying or approving what this is. And so you see that with regard uh, to faith in this context. And so the, the Greek word for uh, uh, patience, you have hupomeno, and hoopo uh, and hupo is uh, under and meno to abide, to uh, feel at ease or to abide under. We talked about this a little bit before. We won't belabor <coughs> the point because I want to get into uh, the mysteries tonight, but we did want to... Uh, uh, show you this on a couple of occasions. Here we'll look at Romans also. The word for patience is often translated several different words in the verb and noun form of the uh, Authorized Version. It's translated to endure twelve times. It's translated tarried one. Uh, it's translated suffer one time and abode one time. But it's translated uh, patience thirty-one times. 20, Twenty-nine times it's in the noun. In that way, so let's let's look at a couple of more really, and then we'll we'll look at the mysteries. Look at First Thessalonians one three. <clears throat> I think these Thessalonians grew up in a hurry, and I think that they're an example of the fact that any believer at the time that you you first become a believer have the opportunity to grow and mature, and there's nothing stopping you. Don't let anyone ever tell you that there's a there's a waiting period. Right. It's just not like when you go buy a gun in America and there's a three day waiting period. (laughs) There's no waiting period on a believer. None. You have all of the rights and the privileges of growing and maturing just like someone who's been around for 50 years. In fact, I've seen believers who have just come in and became believers who have passed believers who have been around for a long time. And it, it, it's not, there's not this waiting period that you see. And you can see this with the Thessalonians. I just, you know, Dave, when he, we were in seminary, just pushed this book. And I thought, ah, come on, that's, that's a little overrated, isn't it? Read the books. <laughs> Read the books and find out about these people. And what is the most amazing thing about these people is they were not your educated and refined people. That's the thing that jumps out at me, and it's the thing that you see today in America. Look at the people who are so called educated. They're some of the most godless people that you'll find today. They're very godless, and they're learning to be more godless. Look at the people that are graduating some of the, your most refined institutions in this world. Some of the most godless people you will encounter. Now, not all of them, of course. But on the whole, you see that this atheism and all of this craziness is coming from your refined people who are nothing but, in, in a lot of ways, a bunch of animals in the way that they think. And so look at this in First Thessalonians, the first chapter. Look at here about these people uh, from First uh, Thessalonians. Remember, we back some months ago, we did a contrast of the Corinthians and the Thessalonians. What a contrast. As you contrast those two different groups of people, those two different churches, (laughs) look at verse one, Paul and Silvanius and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God, the father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here you find out some truth about the fact that not only do we have a position in the son, but we have a position also in the father. Grace is unto you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you making mention of you in our what, Dan? Worship, right? <clears throat> Remembering without ceasing. Now, here here's where they say you put it in shoe leather. Here's what these Thessalonians did not go around talking about being a believer. They just acted as believers. Isn't that a wonderful thing to see? I would suppose they didn't have crosses on their donkeys or their horses. (laughs) Um, They did not have bumper stickers saying, uh, turn straight and go right or turn right and go straight. They didn't have any of that stuff. People just saw their lives. (laughs) And so he says, remembering without ceasing your work from faith and your labor, your tireless working on behalf of the saints. And where does that come from? Love. And notice your patience, and I would say not of, but from hope, an expectation that they had that produced the patience. And so they had an expectation of the promise that God has made made to them, and they were holding to that expectation. When you have a legitimate promise that you're basing your expectation on, it's really uh, going to be solid and and, and allow you to be able to be unmovable in it. And so here you have the word for patience, and it's from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, your beloved, your your election of God. And again, I don't want to ever leave this passage without not dropping down to verse 6. And seven, and notice what happens there. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received a word in much affliction. And you go back to Acts 17, and you see an example of what happened there. He's describing this is what happened. He, Paul went into Thessalonica, Thessalonica, and he led some people to the Lord, and all kinds of problems broke loose. And he was really so concerned about these believers that in those afflictions, right at the shoot, they became, they were in this trouble, this cauldron of, of suffering. He sends Silas and Timothy back to find out about, you know, how they were doing. Because Paul left and went down into Berea. He sends Silas and Timotheus back to find out, or actually they were still there. And when they came from him, he, uh, he found out, well, what, what's happening to these believers? Did they give up? Do they have, do they think bad of me? Notice, and he says, no, they, they thought well of you, Paul. Notice over here, just, I just got to show you this. First, verse 14. And so notice in the second chapter of, uh, uh, in the third chapter, He gets this response, verse six. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and love and that you have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were confident over you in all of our afflictions. That is just one of the most beautiful passages in scripture, isn't it? It is. It's just wonderful. It's my favorite passage, yes. Until we get to the next one. (laughs) So, notice: so Paul's concerned about them, they're concerned about Paul. Isn't that just wonderful? And so notice he says, verse 6 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and you became followers of us and having received the Lord in in much affliction. Notice, here you have the fruit of the Spirit. These are believers that were filled by the Spirit with what? Joy. And appreciation for the circumstances that God has brought into my life, even though they might be trying and they might be difficult, I can appreciate these circumstances because I see that God's in control of them. And so, you have joy, and uh, and notice, and I would say, from the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples. And this is why I think it gets down to where the rubber meets the road with believers today, this, these types. Notice here, you became examples to them, to all them that believe in Macedonia and, A- and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in also in every... Place your faith to God with is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Don't sound like they had bumper stickers on their car having to advertise that they were believers. Don't sound like they were walking around with crosses. They were just living it. And you could see the fruit of the Spirit, evidence so much so that here you have these young believers already gaining patience, learning patience in their circumstance. We, <clears throat> we can get this so wrong and all of this religiosity that we get caught up in And and we just don't see that we we get in the way of the Holy Spirit producing what He desires to produce in the life of believers. And I think, boy, sometimes the church is actually getting in the way of it. We just want to keep people busy, right? Look at Romans chapter five. (coughs) (coughs) Romans chapter five, (coughs) and so notice what Paul says here to the Romans. In verse one, he says, therefore, being justified by faith, already out from faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you have this the, the, here now. The believer is not seen as being at, at enmity against God. So you have peace from God and you have peace with God. So we're, we're not at enmity against God. God's not been at enmity against man, but man has been at enmity against him. So before you and I were saved, we were counting ourselves to be at enmity against God. Do you know all these unsaved people? You know who they're counting themselves to be an enemy against? God. And that's why I say to some of these people, you don't know. You have no idea who you're messing with. And these people that want to persecute believers today, they have no idea who they're messing with. They don't. And so they're calling themselves to be at enmity against God. And notice, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope (coughs) of the glory of of God. And not only so, but we boast, we glory, we boast in tribulations. When was the last time that you did that? I know, just yesterday, right? (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so this idea for both is that we 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 have confidence, or we we um, there's a confidence we have in tribulations, knowing that tribulations. <clears throat> and interesting here, is it's um knowing the facts that these tribulations, or tribulations is actually our word for afflictions, <clears throat> and it's the idea of pressures that they produce uh, patience, and so. Uh, patience is not something that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that the believer learns through different circumstances that God allows to come into the life of the believer. And there was a point, if you look back, and we won't go there, in, in uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, that these Jewish believers, I believe, had experienced that, and and then they became carnal. And, um, and notice Paul reminded them there, you have need of patience, uh, and that after having done the will of God, <coughs> that they would be able to, um, I think, endure. I think it's what, what he said there. And so you have this issue of patience. I'll give you some more information here. And so notice believers in this dispensation are admonished concerning patience. Uh, Peter says in Second uh, Peter 1, 6, that the patience is something that the believer adds to those things that God has already provided. Uh, Paul admonishes Timothy to encourage the saints at Ephesus to pursue patience. Among uh, other things, in First Timothy 6.11, uh, he admonishes the believers at Rome to be um, uh, patient in tribulations. In, in Romans 12, it's uh, a lot of times associated, uh, associated uh, with afflictions and pressures. It's easy that when you are pressed, the first thing that people want, that you and I want to do, is to find a way out. We're looking for a way out. Um, and this idea of patience is, is really the opposite of that, To the believer, when you see that it's uh, something that God has brought and allowed to happen, you're able to bear up underneath in that situation. Patience is linked in Scripture to tribulations, afflictions, necessities, distresses, uh, as you see it throughout the course of Scripture. Uh, the, um, tribulation, and I give you again the, the word that is used there, and afflictions, uh, Phillips's and necessities, <laughs> these are three the uglies that are used. So you have tribulation, which is the ideal that someone is, uh, is pursuit that occurs against believers due to belief in the truth of God's word. Then you have afflictions, which are the pressures. And then you have necessities or constraints that are imposed either by circumstances or by law of duty regarding one's advantage or custom or argument. And this is out of Joseph Thayer. And so you have these types of things that the the believer can face. And, uh, oh, I forgot the other one, distress. (laughs) I forgot that one. Uh, And so this is interesting, this word for distress, and you see it used in scriptures of being in a narrow room, or being in a narrow place. It's actually our word for uh, stenosis, actually from that word from stenosis. I never really understood that until Joyce's dad had stenosis, a narrowing of the spine to where you, you, you find yourself in the nerves are in a narrow place to where they're pinching on the spine and causing pain. And so that ideal is seen from a um, um, uh, circumstance point where you can find yourself in a narrow place where you feel like you're confined. So just think about it. We could take these four words here, persecution, afflictions, necessities and distress and we can, and they can describe some of the circumstances that believers are experiencing in this life now people will tell you that these circumstances here are abnormal and what a lot of the people in the world system have done is they've take these, taken these words and given them different terminology and now they call them maladies you see That's what they call them. They call them different maladies. You know, um, I have in my uh, trusted little hands here an article that I got out of the Daily Oregonian back in 1994. And something led me to keep it. But in my hands here is this article that talked about mental disorders in America. And how the MSD, which is the Book of Mental Disorders, was growing. Now, this is a liberal newspaper, and this was in 1994. And they said in 1994 that the, the pharmaceutical companies and other people were engaging in tomfoolery <laughs> and making things diseases that are not diseases at all. Secular newspaper. Well, now, just a few years ago, they added shyness and grief. So now you're mentally deranged or crazy if you have a problem with being shy. Or if you have grief. There you go, Cindy. There you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> there you go. Now you, you have a word. <laughs> you have a place you could put that. Now, why do I bring this up? Because here we're dealing with situations here that the Bible describes in which you will find yourself in some tight places where mentally you will feel constrained. You will find yourself in places where you will feel pressed. It is normal to Christianity. This is not anything new. And, and so you, you're going to feel this way. And a lot of it, Satan, once he finds out that you have a problem with this, the game's on. Once you, he knows that you have a problem with this, he's not going to just give up. He's going to come in for the kill. Well, we have a scripture in James that says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Very clear. <laughs> and so as a believer matures, he gains this ability to be able to deal in these circumstances as he learns patience. These circumstances God allows into our life and we learn how to bear up under them. As these circumstances, we're confronted with these circumstances. And it's a, it's a huge thing for the believer it's, it's interesting that God didn't uh, make this a part of the fruit from the Spirit. It's interesting that he didn't. But that it's, it's something that he allows us to learn through the circumstances that we go through. And so God provides for mysteries um, for the believer. Now, we, we had talked about this in 1 Corinthians 2. You see it here in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, there are some, certain things that you can only talk to certain people about, right? <clears throat> and you can understand this with believers that um, there are certain believers that you probably just cannot talk. Dan was talking tonight about sending in the mind. There are certain believers I understand that I probably would not bring that up to because I think they might have a heart attack. <laughs> I just know that they just they could not deal with it, right? <laughs> they just are not growing to where they can accept Scripture for what Scripture says. And, and you have that problem. So here there is certain things that God has reserved for those who are maturing. Maturing saints. And I don't think, but only maturing saints, saints or who are in the process of maturing, will have a full appreciation for these things that he has reserved just for those who are maturing and those who are loving him. And so you could preach these, these things in some uh, congregations and in some places, and, and the believer say, "Huh? Eh, oh what? Don't mean anything to me." But a believer who is maturing will appreciate these mysteries. and I didn't call it a mystery. Scripture does things that God has reserved specifically for those who are loving him and who are actually maturing. And so notice, <laughs> you see this in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul was talking to the Corinthians, and they were talking about this wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the age, and so you have this going on. There is this co- competition going on, this competing wisdom. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people will go with the majority and what the world system... world system has a huge effect, and I think it's one of the most um, un... Um, Uh, it's not an enemy that people really fully appreciate what it does to you. But here's one of the things it does to you. It affects what people believe is true. Why? Because the majority is going to always be going the direction that the world is going. Right? And that affects people. That definitely affects people. And so this is what happens with this wisdom. So you have this wisdom of the age. You have this wisdom of the world. And Satan has that out there. And the Corinthians were engaged. They were really enamored with this. So much so that they thought, Paul, this guy over here, this guy, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) We look at it now and say, what? So Paul, they wanted Paul to speak in a certain way. And they wanted him to articulate certain things. And uh, Paul was continually on message, and he didn't uh, get off message with uh, what he was led to speak to the Corinthians. And notice what he says here. Well, I guess you could say that there are some things he probably said or did that he probably shouldn't have done, but the message was on point. Notice he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you with weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech was not with in the um, was not and preaching was not with the enticing words. Or really, I like to translate that the persuasive words. Um, and so, this idea of these um, <clears throat> these mysteries was not in the persuasive words of man's wisdom. But a demonstration of the spirit and of power, why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. <clears throat> you know, you have all of these so-called philosophers and people in, uh, in uh, the world system. Some of them still live on today. Plato, Aristotle, all these guys. And um, you have these guys, Nostradamus. Now, I never heard, I, Nostradamus existed over a hundred some years ago and you look at some of his so-called prophecies, and you'd have to be a kook to believe these were worth anything. But people believe this nonsense, and they, they follow after it. And so they think that it's of some power. And so you have this, the world has these kind of things about how life works. They have a totally different alternative of how life works in various functions. And you have it's interesting, all of these books that are out there, magazines, you know, you got Self Magazine, they tell you how to think, think about yourself. You got all of these baby magazines telling you how to deal with babies, right? It's all of this, a lot of it's just googly garp <laughs> about life. And so notice, he says, um, how be it, verse 6, we speak a wisdom among them that are, it says the word perfect, it's like them that are maturing in verse 6, and so, uh, uh, t- to mature once, let me say, let me translate that, yet not the wisdom of this age, of uh, wisdom of this, uh, the age of this particular age, now I think here he's talking about the present evil age, that there is an age that is going on, now what is an age? Uh, age is a period in God's program where he's teaching something to his rational creatures by comparison or contrast. And I think you see a lot of contrast going on here in which um, <clears throat> you are things are being allowed to taught be taught that are contrary to what God wants in this age and some people who are not discerning or they fall for it and they're duped by it and they, they love it they, they want it. And so this. uh, And so here he says, not the wisdom of this age. And so in this age, he says earlier, if you turn over the first chapter, just let me show you this real quickly. In verse 20, he points this out. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of these age? And so you have these carriers of this wisdom. You have the wise man who is the, the purveyor of wisdom. You have the uh, scribe who records it. And then you have the debaters. And I would try to, I would translate the disputer as actually the debaters. And so these ideals, they, they, just, they, they believe that you can come to an understanding of truth through debating. It's just really interesting as you see it in our society that you see a lot of that going on. And so you have this, he says, not yet, not we speak a wisdom among them that are perfect, uh, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the princes of this age that are come to naught already, uh, that are in the process uh, of being rendered inoperable. They're in the process of being rendered inoperable. They don't know it yet. They don't understand. But They're in the process of being rendered inoperable. But we speak a wisdom from God in a mystery, uh, or really, I would say, in mysteries, or presented in mysteries, even the hidden wisdom uh, which God ordained before the world, and I would say because of our glory. Now, notice in verse 8, which none of the princes of this age knew it, for had they known it. Uh, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so none of the rulers, um, and so you have these rulers that are working behind the scenes and who are uh, influencing the people who are actually carrying this out. You know, it's interesting to me that you see a lot of people, um, we look at people and we accredit people with a lot of information, or a lot of credit for things that they come up with. And we don't understand that they're, particularly as it's not from scripture, they're getting this information. They're not so smart. You realize that. These people are not that smart. They're getting a little help. And so we praise these guys that come up with some of these different um, um, things like the iPhone or whatever. I'm not saying that Jobs was um, of the devil. (laughs) He's getting stuff from the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I'm just using this as an example. People praise and worship the people who come up with these inventions. But it's interesting that many of these inventions and many of these things are they're getting information from on how to do that. And they're getting a little help. Not all of them. I'm just saying a great many of them are. And I don't I don't know that we're having a full appreciation for that. And so he says that um, had they known it had they known what God was doing in this regard. They would not have crucified the Lord. And so you see this mysteries is the word uh, mysterion and the context uh, of that has not been known uh, before, which has been revealed in a group or a restricted consistency. This is from the Anita. The secret councils um, which govern uh, God and dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from the ungodly and wicked men, but plainly plain to plain to the godly. Eh, Let's give it this definition. Something that wasn't revealed before now. Right? Now we can show you it wasn't revealed. The mysteries that he revealed was not revealed to people nor was it revealed to spirit beings. And it's only been revealed in this dispensation. Now notice in Colossians you see a good example of that. Colossians chapter 1. I think if my memory serves me correctly, I think it's Colossians, but You know, my memory is not as good as it used to be, but this time it works. Colossians chapter 1 verse verse 25. Paul is talking to the Colossians who he did not know, uh, or did not lead to the Lord, but through Epaphras, he sends this letter. Now notice he says, uh, and gives them this admonition, Wherefore I have been made a minister according to the dispensation from God, which is given to me to you, word, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations. Now, I think when he's talking about ages, he's speaking about spirit beings, right? Now, when I say ages, God is revealing something to rational creatures, You know, right now, I believe he's dealing specifically with spirit beings. Now, in the future, we can see that he's going to be dealing with us as well, right? Ephesians 2, 7, and the ages to come, he's going to demonstrate things to the church about why he dealt with the church and the way that he dealt with it he's dealt with us today. But I believe now he's talking about spirit beings that in it was hid from ages and notice it was hid from generations. But notice two key words here that are very important. But now to show that it wasn't possible that anybody before this could have known it. And this is how we can show you also that obviously there weren't any uh, maturing ones going on in the Old Testament before this dispensation, or they would have had these mysteries too, right? Well, they didn't have it. And so we can see, and we'll come back to this one, we'll see what is the mystery that he reveals here. He reveals a mystery to the Colossians that was not known before the time that he revealed it. And this this is a doozy. What he reveals here is a doozy. If you didn't understand this, it would really affect uh, you in a a lot of ways. Um, But let's go back to our outline and we'll work our way back here. So the mysteries in the Gospels are mysteries that you see in the Gospel that pertain to what happened to Christ's kingdom after his departure. And I really believe a lot of the mysteries there in the Gospels is telling you what's going to happen to the kingdom when the king goes away. right? What's going to happen to what would have been the kingdom that he would have ruled over? And so he explains that. There are two aspects to the mysteries revealed for maturation. One, they were hid, and two, you see that they were not made manifest, and we just saw that. The mysteries for maturation are contrasted with the wisdom of the age. And that brings us to E, which is our mysteries. And I, I don't know that we can get through all of them, but let's take a swipe at it. And so you have a mystery dispensation in Ephesians 3, 4. Ephesians 3, 4. <clears throat> and so Paul revealed um, that there was a, a that this dispensation uh, w- was a mystery. Um, uh, it's, it, it really, it's uh, the mystery concerning the Christ, I think it's, yeah, I got that mixed up. It's the mystery concerning the Christ here in um, Ephesians 3, 1 through 4. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace from God, which is given to me, to you would. And so a dispensation is a period in God's program in which he uh, is revealing something to man, something about himself, by giving a rule of life and a steward that institutes that rule of life to, to, to men. Uh, to uh, adhere to and notice in verse 3 how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote un- uh, For in few words whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery now here we have um, You wouldn't really pick this up in the English But uh, if you look in your inner learning here if you have it you'll see the use of an article with Christo. And this is what we say that this really makes a huge difference right articles make a big difference so, here, how is it translated in the AV? The mystery of Christ, but here in this uh, context, you can actually translate it the way it reads in the original: the mystery concerning the Christ. And it's not, and it's, and it takes it out of the realm of just talking about Christ. It's talking about Christ, the body of Christ, with Christ as the head of the body, and that there was a uh, mystery concerning, yeah. It, extremely important. It's become very, very popular to just say Israel's Messiah with all these Christos references. Correct. And here's one which flies in the face. What is the mystery concerning Israel's Messiah that was made known to Paul that has to do with Christian life? Right, 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 right. It doesn't add up. And so here you have here, notice he says, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So here you have it, the other ages, they didn't know about this. I I just marvel when when you listen to people who try to correlate Old Testament doctrine and New Testament doctrine, and it breaks down on so many different levels. And here you see the breakdown of it in that uh, the premise of, a lot of the premises that we go by were not known before. They couldn't have known it. It wasn't revealed. That the Gentiles, and here's the mystery that is revealed, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That was something that those Old Testament saints didn't know that he was going to do that. They had no idea. Even as late as the gospels, right? Well, we'll take it even further. Even as late as Acts 11, verse 29. Remember, when they went out, they went out, and they were told that they were supposed to go to, to Jerusalem, Judea, and the utmost parts of the earth. And who did they go to when they went out? To Jews only. <laughs> it clearly says that. They had no idea about the Gentiles. Even in Matthew, the 15th chapter, when the Canaanite woman came to him and says, uh, some, uh, have mercy upon me. My daughter is grievously and vexed. What, what did the disciples say to her? Or to the Lord, tell her to go away. She's bothering us. Right? And what did the Lord say to her? You mean-spirited guys, leave that woman alone. No, he says it's not right to take the bread of the children and give it to dogs. The Jews didn't have any understanding of this mystery whatsoever that God was going to do this, that he was going to take from among the Jews and the Gentiles and create this entity called the Christ. You and I can understand now he's allowing us to look over his shoulder and see what he's doing. And by you understanding that, it can impact and, and really hopefully help you to understand what God is accomplishing today, what it is that we are a part of. It's huge. Hey, If you don't understand what God is doing, how are you going to actually carry it out in a way that really is befitting of what he's provided for you to do? Well, you can see a lot of the church is ignorant of this mystery. That's why they're going out doing some of the things that they're doing. They're completely ignorant of what God is doing today. And that that ignorance is causing them to do things that they really have no business doing. Now, look at Romans, the 11th chapter, in verse 25. You have this mystery concerning God's plan for Israel. Now, this is a doozy. This is a big one here. Uh, Well, if you don't understand this, and there's a lot of people who don't understand it, they have made the church to be now spiritual Israel. (laughs) Right? Um, So here you have this mystery concerning what God is doing with Israel. Now, so in the book of Romans, there are, were Jews in the church at Rome and now he's writing to them and he's telling them what God has done. He starts off in the first few chapters, one, two, and three, telling, um, uh, really logically presenting to these, this church here that there's no one any good. Gentiles are not good, any good. The Romans are not any good. Ain't nobody any good. So... You could take uh, self-esteem and kiss it goodbye. (laughs) Ain't nobody any good. None of us. (laughs) And so, uh, then he goes on and tell what God did. Fourth chapter, fifth chapter, sixth chapter, seventh chapter, eighth. Right? And told. Okay. Now, if all of this is true, and we now have this entity called the church, what's going to happen to Israel? And now he's going to tell you what's going to happen to Israel. In the 11th chapter, he says in verse, um, um, well, we can go back a little bit in verse 17. And if some of the branch, well, go back just to get a little bit more context, he says. um, Verse 11, I say then, have they, he's talking about Israel, stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more the fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, and so much as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are of my flesh, and might save some of them. And if the casting away of them be of the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? For if the first first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou by a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, with uh, them partaketh of the root and the fatness in the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root beareth thee. Thou wilt say then, The branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold thou therefore the goodness and the severity of God. "...on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And they also, if they abide not, uh, still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again." Uh, verse four twenty four. if thou were cut out of a wild olive tree, which was wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into the olive tree, their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Now, we're gonna, he's going to tell us something that wasn't known before the time that this was revealed that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Before Paul revealed that, it wasn't known that this is what God was allowing to happen. If you go out and it's very hard for you to convert a Jew today, really they have three blindness. They have natural blindness, they have a judicial blindness, uh and, okay, I'm escaping the other one. Spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness, I think it is. And so they're blind. It's very hard for them to, to, um, to see today. And so this, and this is a temporary thing that has been put on the nation. Though there are some, obviously, we understand some um, elect from Israel or the Jews that are being taken into the church today. But uh, talking about the, the nation. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, and so all of Israel shall be saved. Who is he talking about with all of Israel? All of the elect of Israel shall be saved. Not every Jew, but all of the Jews that are elect are going to be saved, and God's not going to lose one. And we can tell you, when we take you back to Scripture where it says, well, you see the end of it here, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Well, he's going to take him out into the wilderness, and he's going to plead with the nation of Israel uh, during the middle of the tribulation period and when they come out the only ones that are going to be left are those who are elect all of the rebels are going to be purged so that when you get to the end of the tribulation period all of Israel will be Israel the elect and those who were saved at the end of the tribulation period will be one and the same that was something that no one knew None of the Old Testament writers knew that to this degree. None of them. So to say that the Old Testament saints knew everything that we knew and that it's a continuum all the way throughout Scripture, when you hear someone say that, you immediately understand. They they do not understand what they're saying from Scripture. They have no idea what they're talking about. And so you have a lot of people who do perpetuate that with a lot of the... um, Spiritual Israelites who believe that we are now spiritual Israel and they allegorize all of scripture until you have this kind of uh, foolishness going on.